anything that happens is in life is meant to draw us near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God. And there, there, are, there is a lot going on in our world today. And you might say, what is going on? It's designed to draw us to the heart of God. And, and there's, no other, there's no other place of refuge. There's no other, there's no other answer. And, and I don't say that, um, oh man, there's no other answer. He is the answer. I mean, and he loves us so much that he says, I'm going to run you through this chute. And we can be like an ornery bull or a crazy heifer and jump the fence and crash through the gate and go our own way. But we can go along and go to the heart of God and then we will find comfort and, and direction and peace and power. And we have all of history as a testimony to that. And we have the Word of God. And Job. God's led us to the study of Job. And, and in the book of Job, we're where Job feels like God and his own counselors have rejected him. That's, that's where he's at in this. And yet, in your study of this, you'll find, and we'll get to it as we, we go on here, um, you'll see that Job then has a revelation of God that uh, shines as a brilliant star on a dark night in this. But in the midst of severe trials or difficulties, there are many temptations come that not only to those that are in the midst of it, but to the friends of those that are in it. When you, when you know someone who is going through a deep trial, it's not like you're immune from the battle that goes on. It, it is a real battle that goes on. And we, even as outside of the trial, are tempted to think certain things, let alone when we're in the trial. There are many, many temptations. And this morning, that's what I want to look at. You'll get into the details of these chapters uh, tonight in your Bible studies, and um, I'm thankful for those Bible studies and, and how we can go deeper into these things. But this morning, um, as we look at this, temptations during difficulties, how important it is for us to, to recognize, okay, I'm going into this situation, or I'm in this situation, I could be tempted this way or this way or this way, so I need to take precautions, guard my mind and my heart. And one of the first ones is when we're in the midst of difficulties, 
is to become self-focused, a natural and understandable temptation in suffering is to become self-focused in the sense that we're pulled inward. And, And to a certain degree, it's a good, good thing. What did I do? Did I do something to bring this on? It's good to have introspection, but we can, we can be drawn to the point that we're drawn too far in and all we're consumed about is why I've got it worse than they do or I wish God would give me an answer here or I want deliverance and it's all I, I, I. And, and I don't mean this disregarding to Job, but, but Job was consumed in, at this stage in this with, with himself. And, and rightfully so, I would have been even far, far worse. And I'm not saying that. But we all have the tendency when we are accused to become self-defensive. And, and that immediately turns the focus on self, self-defensive. And Job is hearing over and over again, you're this and you're this, and if you'd repent, things would be better. And, and he then steps up and it, no, I'm not that, and, and I'm innocent, and I haven't done anything to, to deserve this. And you know what? God had already said that's true. But Job's focus became on self. And, and it, it's just a natural tendency. When your spouse has cancer, when there's leukemia in a child, when a loved one has been, been victimized, when you've had a devastation of your career, when there's been a great loss of investments or resources or health, all the difficult experiences that life can throw at us, we must be very, very careful that we don't lose our God-centered focus. See, it doesn't mean that you don't take care of other things. We need to, but ultimately it must be a God-centered focus. And Paul Paul had that in his life. In Philippians chapter 1, he said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he said, My purpose in life is to magnify Christ, whether it be by life, or by death. So whatever whatever happened in his life, he kept this God-centered focus that whatever happens in me, I want to magnify Christ. Now, it's as I said, it's not wrong to take introspection and examine yourself. It's a good thing to do. It's it's not wrong to say why to God, but ultimately if God doesn't answer, and tell us why. Ultimately, the goal is, God, in whatever circumstance you give me, 
I want to magnify you. It's not self-focused. We, you've heard it said over and over. It's not about me. And, and in Christianity, it's not about me or we or anyone. It's about God and God alone. And, and it's so important that we be brought back to that. It, it is very tempting um, when difficult valleys come to, to just spiral downwardly into our own life. And it's very easy to push others out of our life, even to the point of pushing God. It's not that we would say, no, God, I don't want you. But we become so immersed in self. Oh man, this is bad, and this is bad, and this is bad, and what am I going to do? And that we forget God, and that God is ultimately in control. A second temptation is that we abandon what we know about God. Job's friends had an idea about what they knew about God. And their beliefs were being tested. And, and it's easy, um, it's easy to say, this is what I believe about God. When everything's going okay. The songwriter said, life is easy. When you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But things change when you're down in the valley. Don't lose faith for you're never alone. For the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, He'll make them right. And the God of the good times is still God in the bad times, for the God of the day is still God of the night. It goes on, it says, we talk of faith when we're up on the mountain. But talk comes easy when life is at its best. Isn't that true? When there's no test, boy, we believe God, we know this about God. Now it's down in the valleys of trials and temptation. That's where your faith is put to the test. It's easy to say, God is good. And then we add in a hyper-spiritual way, all the time, you know, or always or whatever. And, And it's true. But the real test is when everything is falling apart around us and in us, do we really believe God is good? And the temptation is to abandon what we really believe about God. Our world and our community is full of people that at one time believed certain things about God and something came into their life. Life didn't go the way they planned, the way they thought it should, and, and they have abandoned their beliefs about God. They probably would still say they're a Christian, but 
they really, they really don't believe and allow it to dictate their life what they once said they, they do believe about God. So we need to come back and ask, what is there I believe about God? And we need to know those so rock solid based on the Scripture that in the midst of the darkest of nights when we can't see anything, we say, I don't see how this is possibly true, but I am not going to abandon what I know about God. And many, many people in the midst of difficulty abandon what they know. Well, God may be good to a lot of people, but He sure hasn't been good to me. Or God's grace may be sufficient, but I don't feel it. And we could go on and on. Our faith will be tested. And and it's easy. I mean, even yet today, we all have it pretty good. But to be like Paul and Silas in prison... Not for any wrongdoing. And to be able to sing and praise God and and to be like Daniel in the lion's den and to be like Stephen when he gave his life, he didn't abandon what he believed about God. And that's why it is so important for us. We keep coming back to this. Knowing God, that's the number one thing in your life. That's drawing near to the heart of God because in the darkness of the night you can't take a cram course on knowing God. These are the days to know God so that we don't abandon what we know about God. A third temptation is to deny reality. An interesting thought, Job's friends believed that Job's suffering was because of Job's sin. But what if Job was innocent? So in their minds, these gears just aren't meshing. If Job is innocent, that means we could end up suffering like Job. And so they came to the point where they denied reality. There's no way that can be true. There's no way that can be true. And that's why they're so adamant. I mean, part of it may have been they were motivated by fear. If this good guy can suffer being innocent, what's that mean may happen to us? So denying reality, they said, that can't be true, Job. You have got to have a sin. Now come clean, come clean, come clean. And they denied the reality of life. See, faith isn't denying the reality of life. Faith says, I don't understand it, but I trust God. Back to what a few weeks ago. I don't know, but God does. It doesn't deny reality. It doesn't act like, 
I know what's going on here, and I know what's going on in your life. There, there come a lot of times in life when we don't know. But it's easy for us to get in where we deny reality. And to Job's friends, if God allows suffering like this, when he obeyed, what's the use of obedience? And so we abandon the truth of God or we deny reality. Kind of touched on this already, but a fourth temptation is to reject the mystery of God. In, in Job 21, in verse 22, it says, Can anyone teach God knowledge? Someone else paraphrased it by saying, Who are we to tell God how to run His affairs? He's dealing with matters that are way over our head. That's how they they paraphrase verse 22 of chapter 21. The problem here is not that reality and experience contradict revelation or contradict God's Word and faith. The problem is our revelation is limited. The secret things, Deuteronomy 29, the secret things belong to God. There are many, many things that are way beyond us. And and if we reject the mystery of God, that this is something God has not revealed to us, but I, I just need to trust Him then so be it. But if we reject the fact, no, I I must know this. Why is this happening? Proverbs is full of principles. And we could spend all morning looking at various ones. But, for example, Proverbs 10.27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Is that generally true? Absolutely. But is it absolutely true that every righteous man will have a long life and every wicked man will have a short life? No. History is full of exceptions to both sides of the equation. So what's up with that? What's up with that is... God is God, and He can do whatever He wants. And He gives general principles, but Job Job is an example of that. Our perception of God is often based on our circumstances alone. And that, as a result, can be very wrong and lead us to attack the very character of God. If if we base our belief about God on circumstances alone, we will end up attacking the very character of God. From Job's limited perspective, God 
is his aggressor. But we'll see in just a moment. But he's also his defender. His loss of a relationship with God. He felt he was cut off from God. Made him hopeless. And yet, in the midst of all of it, God was his only hope. And God has many, many mysteries in life. Sickness. Troublesome times. There are many, there are many mysteries in life. There, there are mysteries in, in life. There are kids that have been abandoned and abused and misused and forsaken by their parents. And they will have an unwavering love and respect for their parent that draws them back, that would make others, others think, what? I can't comprehend. There are other kids that have been loved and nurtured and cared for, and they have nothing to do with their parents. It's a mystery. You can't, we could go on and on and talk about all these mysteries. And, and we could give our lives trying to find an answer to those things. God alone knows. God is running the show and He permits pain and sometimes it's revealed to us and sometimes it's not. He tests us and the reality is that we must trust Him and leave the mysteries to God. Paul came to that. A thorn in the flesh. Three times. God, would you remove this? God, would you remove this? God, would you remove this? And then he came back and Paul rested in the mystery. He didn't know the details of this, but he rested in the mystery and he said, because you haven't removed it, I'm going to glory in this because in my weakness you show your strength. And, and he accepted it even though it was a mystery. And Job 21:22 is saying, Who are we to tell God how to run his affairs? He is dealing with matters that are way beyond our pay grade. Way beyond, over our heads. God is the master weaver. And someday we will behold his masterpiece and we'll see how he intertwined even the darkest of threads in our own life. But right now we don't see that. And all we see are the tangled threads from underneath his masterpiece. And, and he brings in a dark thread into our life and we say, what are you doing? And someday we'll see he was the grand weaver. And a temptation is to reject the mystery of God. Another temptation, just quickly, is to become bitter and cynical. If God allows suffering as a result of obedience, what's the use of obeying him? Forget it. I'm, no. I tried to obey him. I tried to follow God. And this came my way. 
I don't know how many people I've run into and talked to that, that basically that was their attitude. I've, I've had individuals. I gave God one year to do something and He didn't. I'm done with it. Whew, you, you think of that. I gave God... That's bad enough right there. One year? Whoa. And he didn't do it? And if you were to ask some of these individuals, they would say they're a Christian and going to heaven. I'm not here to say whether they are or not, but that'd be a bad place to be in. And they become bitter and cynical and they're living out their life in that. Let me just quickly close with the last temptation is to lose hope. Job had been calling out to God for justice. And since God had not answered, Job had begun to question whether or not he is even, enlist, even listening. And Job appeals. He said, I need someone who's who would stand before God and testify on my behalf. And he said, I need a Redeemer. And when he uses the word Redeemer, it's not like we think of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. It's, it's like Boaz was a Redeemer to Ruth. And I don't have time to go into that aspect. But it, it is... A Redeemer, the word that he uses here in in chapter 19 and verse 25, is one who pays a debt, who frees from slavery, reclaiming property for a family inheritance or, or avenging a death. The Redeemer did whatever was necessary to meet the needs of the relative. So, if the relative needed needed their property paid off. The Redeemer came in and, and was an advocate, pled their case and did what is necessary. Job feels that God and his friends have rejected him and, and he said, I need a Redeemer. And chapter 19 and verse 25 is as though the revelation of God came upon Job in the midst of the darkness. This work of the Holy Spirit came upon Job and he said in verse 25, I know of chapter 19, I know that my Redeemer lives and He shall stand at last on the earth And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another, how my heart yearns within me. This was like from darkness to then the work of the Spirit of God came upon Job and he said, but you know what? He goes back to what he knew about God. I know that my Redeemer lives. And Job believed that in the end, he would be justified. He believed that there is more to life than just worms eat my body and I die. He believed in a resurrection. 
And Job understands that he may die without justice in this life, yet he holds fast to what he knows about God, the integrity of God, that God is a just God. And I can trust God. Whether I'm justified in this life or not, Job is certain that a champion, that an advocate will defend him, and, and he rests in that fact. And the Holy Spirit of God gave Job this, and it was he was speaking not fully knowing that he's speaking of our Redeemer. That we desperately need someone to come and rescue us from our sins. And we have no hope without God. And man's deliverance from sin comes only through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ alone, we can know that there will be a resurrection and that justice will be brought. And with our own eyes, we can see Him. But it's only through Jesus Christ. That's why we must come to a point in our life where we realize my sin will condemn me to an eternity in the lake of fire, but I call upon Jesus Christ and His payment for my sin to forgive my sin and give me eternal life. And then as we draw near to the heart of God, we know His presence with us. Does it mean there won't be dark valleys? No, there will be dark valleys. And there may be times that we don't see God or hear God, but we have to come back to what we know about God. And to know that God alone is the answer, period, across the board. C.S. Lewis said, I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. So he's in a time where God is not answering him. You yourself are the answer. Before your face, questions die away. What other answer would suffice? So he's, he's saying like Job. Job was hopeless, but he had his hope in God. C.S. Lewis said, I know why you utter no answer, because you yourself are the answer. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. The only answer is to draw near to God. But I don't see any results of it. The only answer is God Himself. And what God is doing in our world and in our lives is to draw us to the very heart of God and to... to purify and manifest our faith. And Job is in the crucible of his faith and we'll see that his faith comes through and is purified as gold. But the question is not about Job's faith. The question is ours. Number one, have you gone to God for the forgiveness of sins? And number two, what are you believing about God? And do you believe it based on what you're told, what you've experienced, or do you believe it based purely on the Word of God? It's going to be tested in our lives and probably many times over. 
And no one ever regrets in the midst of darkness hanging on to their faith in God. No one has ever regretted that. But our faith will be tested. Heavenly Father, I pray, first of all, if there are individuals here that have never personally called upon You for the forgiveness of sin, I pray that today they would would be drawn to You by the working of Your Spirit to be overcome by the greatness of our sin and to see then that You alone are the answer for our sin, that there is no forgiveness in anything else except through Jesus Christ and that there is abundant, thorough and complete forgiveness in Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer that is here today. Lord, may we examine our own hearts. And some may be going through great trial now. Lord, help them to examine and not fall prey to these temptations that come into our lives, that we abandon what we believe about God, that we get bitter and cynical about You, about life, about truth. Lord, I pray that our faith would be strengthened, that we would be drawn to the very heart of You. And Lord, I pray that in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the darkness, that our faith would shine forth to the glory of You. So Lord, we don't have this in and of ourselves. I, I don't have it. I need Your grace and Your power. And Lord, <clears throat> I pray that we may finish our races well for Your honor and glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm